Hey, it's a real privilege to be with all of you, uh, to be here together in person. I, I still, um, post-COVID era, I still don't take that for granted. Uh, being a teacher of high schoolers, um, I certainly am grateful to be back and in person. I, uh, I lament over the time when I was in the classroom and everybody was remote. I had like one person in person and everybody else was at home. So it's re- it really is. It's good to be together. It's good to be in community. That's what God intended, right? And, uh, and so just happy to be here with you. Um, as you heard from Bethany um, last week, we were doing our Serve Sunday. And what a powerful testimony from Bethany and really a, a testimony to what God is doing uh, through the church. And when I'm saying the church, I'm saying the Big C Church, This isn't a competition, this is a community of believers on the North Shore, right? And we're working together to advance the kingdom of God. We are his hands and feet, and and it's just so encouraging to be able to serve in that way with Anchor Bay and Pilgrim Church and really the whole entire North Shore Gospel Partnership. This is really what the essence of what it means to serve as a community of believers Right? It's not just talking about it, because unfortunately, that happens a lot. But we want to actually live it out. And so we truly do believe in some of our core values of loving God and sharing life and proclaiming Jesus. Well, today uh, I'm going to be giving a shorter message, because as you may or may not know, we have a family meeting today. Um, which is a potluck, so all are invited. Whether you brought something or you didn't, we invite you to come, hear what's going on in the life of this church, and get some updates about uh, vision for the future as well. Um, So in light of that shorter message, which um, my wife has made me aware of that I need to be shorter, uh, we're going to continue on in our relational values uh, series, and we're going to be looking at humble service. Two weeks ago, we looked at authentic relationships, and today we're going to be looking at humble service. If you have your Bibles with you, um, or if you have it on your phone and you want to engage with that, I'd invite you to turn to Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. And while you're turning or maybe uh, meditating on on the Scripture, I just wanted to give a little bit of context about this. Paul is writing this letter from prison to the Philippian church. I was doing some reading on this, and um, uh, there's a man, he's a biblical scholar, his name is N.T. Wright, and he described this letter as, quote, a letter of friendship, a letter of fellowship. And in it, Paul is thanking the Philippian church for their financial support. Um, as you may or may not know, prisoners in the ancient world received no food from the local authorities. In fact, it was the responsibility of friends, family, or in this case, the church, to care for those who were in prison. And so he thanks them for that. He thanks them for um, a man by the name of Epaphroditus and uh, for his service. And um, He also uses it as an opportunity to express some of his difficulties that he's going through at the time. But the centerpiece 
of this entire letter, in my opinion, and it's the passage that we're reading today, is about Paul really exhorting the community to unity and to be imitators of Christ. And so one of the things that we're going to look at is we're going to look at Christ as the model. What are we imitating if we are living a life devoted to Jesus? This part of the passage, uh, six verse, verse 6 through 11, is sometimes called the Christ poem. And um, it's where Paul narrates the story of Jesus looking at his incarnation looking at his humiliation, and looking at his exaltation. The call for humility, as Christ demonstrated through his ultimate act of humble service, stands in stark contrast to the ancient world. And by the way, to the present day world as well. Humility was regarded in the ancient world as weakness um, or the characteristic of inferiors who had been kicked down to the lower rung of society's ladder. And pagans usually prized, as most people even today, honor and fame, sometimes built on the backs of others. And for Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he presents this as a paradigm for the Philippians' attitude and behavior as it had been for Paul himself. He knows that Philippi, this ancient city, was one of the prized possessions as a Roman colony. And he goes about contrasting that that pride with the life of Christ and his kingdom and the values that are expressed through those who follow Jesus. It's quite the contrast. And so with that being said, will you read with me Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11? I'm reading from the ESV version. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. I want to I spend just a couple minutes just kind of highlighting a few key things in these verses about humble service. But I'd be remiss if I didn't speak to unity first. And in verse 1 and 2, Paul provides really four different appeals, right? He uses the word, did you catch it? The word any. If any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from love, if any participation in the Spirit, if any affection and sympathy. Paul had taken great interest in the Philippian church as he had been instrumental in bringing them to Christ. So he has this vested interest in them, and it would be of great comfort to him, right? It says it, he says it, it would complete his joy by being united. He's calling for unity, right? He says, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. In other words, if you have found any benefit by your participation in the gospel of Christ, Paul's saying, then live it out in unity. That's powerful because we live in a very divisive world. Even, unfortunately, within the church, we are sometimes divided. And Paul's saying, no, we need to be united. Unity is one of the key themes for 2023, for Antioch Beverly, and for the movement at large. But, hey, irregardless of the year, I think that should be a theme every year, right? We need to be united and it should be part of the outflow of our lives and of the church, not to be divided. In verses three and, and four, Paul then gives some instruction about, okay, so we're to be imitators of Christ. Let's talk about how we live our lives, right? And the first thing he wants to counter is one of the greatest enemies of Christ-centered love and unity. Know what that is? It's pride. That's what he's speaking to. He's speaking to pride. Pride is a prison that perpetuates anger, hurt, foolishness, resentment, and if not dealt with, it rots us from inside. The Bible speaks to it frequently because everywhere we look, we, whether it's in the ancient world or today, we see it. So what's the antidote to pride? Thank you, Brian. It's humility. The antidote to pride is humility. I was reading, uh, there's a man, his name's John Piper, and uh, he has a church in Minnesota, and he said, humility serves. Humility gets down low and lifts others up. 
Humility looks to the needs of others and gives time and effort to help those in need. Humility measures everything it does by whether it serves the good of other people. It always asks the question, am I feeding my ego or am I feeding the faith of others? Humility serves. You want to see a healthy church? You want to see healthy people? It's Christians living out their faith. And part of that is serving humbly. Some of you might be saying, got you, Ben. I pinned you. I know what you're trying to do here. Sounds like the old manipulative church message of, hey, you need to serve me. You need to serve, you know, the the pastor's aims and goals and things like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because if we look at the example of Jesus, that's where we see the incredible story of his life and what he did, right? The ultimate act of humble service. Let's look at verses 6 through 11. This is what is sometimes called the Christ poem. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You talk about humiliating. In the ancient world, death on a cross was the ultimate form of humiliation. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the risk of being repetitive, kind of a fan of the message, listen to what it says in the message. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, to the glorious honor of God the Father. You know, if ever there was one who had the right for his pride to be as big as life, it was the one who through whom all life came into being. If Jesus had said and come into this world and demanded that all serve him and do so immediately, it would not have been arrogant. It would have been appropriate. 
because he is the creator of all. He is the king of kings. And yet, he doesn't do that. He doesn't come in and lord it over everyone. In fact, he comes as a humble servant. It's the life of Jesus and the nature of the gospel that is so countercultural. It's it's astounding, isn't it? How do we reconcile and make sense of this action? Well, what happened in 6 through 11? The King of Kings humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. He was humiliated for it. He humbled himself to serve all humanity out of his great love for us. In costly self-sacrifice and humility, Jesus demonstrated the meaning of love in a fallen world. And this act of love has cosmic implications in verses 10 through 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what are we saying here? What's Paul saying here? Paul encourages the Philippian church to live a life that reflects Christ's love through humble service. Think about um, when I come here in the mornings on Sundays and, uh, and I get here and all the chairs are already set up. The flags are up. The signs are up. And there's this guy who's just chilling in the back corner, reading his Bible and things like that. And Dennis is the epitome of like humble service. And you are a blessing for doing that. And you know what, I, you know what he said to me? When I, I just told him, I was like, hey, Dennis, I just want you to know I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention your name. You know, I feel like I need to do that. Um, ask in advance. Epitome of humble service. He said, as long as God gets the glory, then go for it. That's what it means to serve in humility. Bethany Neal's testimony, the church being the church and not just staying insular and doing church here, which is good. This is a good thing to be in relationship with each other, but we also have to have an external focus Right, And we're getting out into the community of Beverly because people matter. The people of Beverly matter. The people of the North Shore matter. And that's what God has called us, is to not just focus inwardly, right, but to look externally to the North Shore and beyond to the ends of the earth. Amen? And to do it in humility. And so... How encouraging is it to see that the church is actually doing that? Not just saying it, not professing from the pulpit, but actually living it out. 
people. That's what's attractive about the gospel is, yes, it's the message of Jesus and what he has done for us, but it's seeing it in lives transformed by what he has done for us. If we're not living it out, and this isn't me heaping guilt on anybody, right? This is just, he's called us to live it out with our neighbors, with our friends, with our sweet mates, with the people who are in our lives, called to do it together. To live a life of humble service like Christ's ultimate humility is what he's calling us into. And a life of humble service is what distinguishes us as those who have our citizenship, not just here on earth, but as citizens of heaven, as servants of the Most High. So how do we respond? I want to invite the worship team to come on up. I'd be remiss if I didn't say, does everybody here know Jesus? Does, does everybody know the Son of the Most High? If you don't, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. Some other opportunities for response. Maybe, maybe there's some pride hanging around in our hearts. And maybe that's something that you want to present to the Lord or dialogue to the Lord about. So I invite you to respond to that, to examine yourself. And then I invite you to consider what it looks like to humbly serve. whether it's in an individual capacity, corporately as a church, or just in your life in general with people. What does it look like to be imitators of Christ in humble service? We have people who um, are happy to pray with you. Um, we'd love to do that. Um, but ultimately, this is about you and Jesus and and so I invite you to first ask him what he wants to say to you about this and then respond. Amen. Let's go ahead and, uh, and sing a song of response.